Anything what? Witty or smart? Oh, ah, that's so much. <laughs> hello, 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 and welcome back to Center Ed Teaching CPETS podcast that's put out weekly to give you all your educational news and ideas for improvement within your school and within your classroom. Um, today we're going to take on a serious topic. If you remember two weeks ago, we talked about supporting the social and emotional learning in schools of students, and last week we then completely switched gears to talk about the Every Student Succeeds Act and the change federal policy is having at a state level. And now we're going back to that idea of how are we supporting students in our schools, specifically those who are bullied. Um, because this topic has so many dimensions and is so difficult, I'm joined by two excellent co-hosts today. Sitting across from me is Faith. Hello. And sitting to my left is Jorge, who's joining us for the first time. Hi. <laughs> um, so to get into this topic of supporting students who have been bullied, I think it's helpful to come up with a definition of what bullying actually is and how it's different than just conflict in the building because you have to approach those in two different ways. Um, so Jorge, can you define bullying for us? Yes, for sure. Uh, so one of the main differences between bullying and conflict is that bullying is a behavior that occurs repeatedly. So it's uh, a pattern uh, that you will see between uh, either one, two students or one student and a group of students who act as bull- bullies. And some of the, well, the main characteristic that uh, you can not- notice in bullying is that there is an imbalance of power. And this varies, of course, uh, depending on the age of the students, but this can be physical strength, and this can be access to embarrassing information in some occasions, or yeah. it could even be popularity in terms of how um, someone may influence someone else's opinions on a given student. And all of these may have long-lasting effects on the bullet student. And uh, one of the important differences in how you're going to... Uh, solve or to attempt to solve or, or, or help the students who are victims of bullying is that conflict re- resolution is not always the best tool to um, to work with bullying because it is not a one it is not a single instance of behavior and dialogue it, it doesn't occur between two peers that have similar status or that have um, a similar similar balance of power uh, instead there's this it's this imbalance that makes it difficult for um, the traditional methods of conflict resolution to work with bullying. You may think of like a couple of things. First of all, when you were talking about an imbalance of power and like popularity, it just made me remember like sixth grade, waiting for the bus. I lived in a very rural, like a rural area and just out there in the woods waiting for the bus to come. And when I got on the bus, I would know, know how's my day going to go? Well, that depends on how Vani has told the girls on the bus to treat me. So if nobody talked to me, I knew, like, oh, okay, it's going to be a really bad day. And then if people talked to me, I knew. But we all knew that Vonnie was right. the one that, that like, made that happen. All the shots. <laughs> and we have no idea why. And, that, 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 and then decades later, I was um, dealing with somebody at work who I could, just couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I feel like maybe he's kind of pushing me around, but I'm not really sure. And I was using um, nonviolent communication and VC as, like, a method to deal with things. And so that's what I was trying, and it mm-hmm. it wasn't working to, like, 
bridge the gap. Like, I couldn't mm-hmm. figure that out. What it did help me do was it helped me to understand and to get information, which was very helpful to me to be able to go forward. But what you just said, I definitely experienced that, which was like this method didn't did not work to, mm-hmm. to deal with the situation. Well, because it sounds like what you were talking about was that method created a dialogue. Yes. But there was no attention to the inequity of power or the fact that this was a repeated offense. Like this wasn't an instance of miscommunication or a momentary disagreements. And so it would then stand to reason that like conflict resolution does not work in that instance um, because it doesn't really address the underlying factors. Mm -hmm. I think that you Mm -hmm. pointed out Jorge. The other thing that I'm thinking about though, in terms of this definition of bullying is cyberbullying because that's becoming increasingly, um, I don't want to say popular because that's too positive connotation, but <laughs> bullying is more and more happening in these cyber spaces. Right. And so giving that definition that, or using that definition that you gave us, Jorge, I'm just thinking about what does it mean for there to be a power imbalance mm-hmm. on social media? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for something to be repeated over time? So one, I mean, maybe the number of followers mm-hmm. determines that. Um, repeated over time could be in a direct message or it could be public humiliation where you tag someone in a Twitter post and say something about them and then people continue to like it. And so in some ways there's more variation for Mm -hmm. how this can take place and in some ways can be even more public Mm -hmm. than bullying in a traditional school sense or even more private. Um, It can definitely become either of those two in the sense Mm -hmm. that you can reach out to a lot more people uh, instead as where like in at school and one incident can be um, can, can happen at one moment and then after that it, it, it may be done and now students especially now that they can have their phones at school they can record an instance of bullying and um, send it to um, many other students who were not even present mm-hmm. uh, and this will for sure have a an effect on, on the student because it's not just the attackers in this case it's also like the whole population can see what he was a victim or she was a victim of yeah and I think sorry that adds yeah. another element that you know even if the bullying is staying same and the medium is changing the idea of a bystander mm-hmm. in yeah. a sense is changing because yeah. it's active yeah. participation to watch that video um, if it's posted and not say anything. So I think maybe that's something we need to expand our definition is thinking about mm-hmm. how do bystanders change when the bullying moves to a digital sphere. That's right. It seems like something mm-hmm. that is added um, when you're looking at like so- social media is that now there's a history that mm-hmm. can, can really come up at any time because even a Snapchat, even anything mm-hmm. like that, Yep, I'm going to download that. Now I have it. I can keep sending it around, which is quite different than me remembering, like, Mm -hmm. an experience on a bus or on the playground when I was a kid. Yeah, and like Matt was saying, it can also be private in a way because you can Mm -hmm. also just send a video or send those comments among a group of students. Mm -hmm. uh, And without putting it out there, it will still have a negative effect because in the end, the bullied student will know. Like, because mm-hmm. it is, uh, they would just perpetuate the cycle as in, like, well, they saw something outside of school and then they will bring it up for sure uh, mm-hmm. at school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think this gets to, uh, or leads me to think about interesting question in terms of what kind of bullying we end up seeing most often, whether, you know, as educators, whether that's as a teacher or an administrator. I mean, I guess even also a parent. Um, and, like, what students or which students are most likely to be bullied? Well, 
in my experience as a teacher, I think that the behavior that I saw most consistently uh, among classes was verbal bullying. Uh, sometimes one student, uh, especially because of the presence of that figure of authority in the classrooms, most students, most bullies will not go all the way to get, mm. for example, into a physical yeah. fight when the teacher is present, although this depends, of course, on the context. Um, but every now and then it'll be harder for them to restrain from saying something to their um, usual target. So this is something that uh, I have experienced seeing. And uh, in terms of the students who are likely to be bullied, I would say that although anyone can be susceptible to this, it because it depends on the power structures within a uh, class or student community, um, IEPs are usually... Um, easy targets for bullies mm -hmm. or for these students who feel the need to show their power in front of other students and they're definitely a student population that needs uh, a particular a particular attention in terms of how they um, providing support for them uh, against bullying. I think that 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 just makes me so interested in um, how you just said about like needing to show their power in front of others because I was thinking about this topic from sort of looking when children are small all the way through high school mm -hmm. um, and beyond, but since we're talking about school up, up through high school and thinking about, um, I, I just saw something the other day where um, I'm watching some children play and there seemed to be a difference, not just conflict that was happening, mm -hmm. but one child that I was like, hmm, I'm curious and a kind of alert went off like, are you, is this bullying? I feel like you, and that's, that's exactly how I could express mm -hmm. it is to say, it seems very important for you to show the other mm -hmm. children that you're around, that you're in control, that you have the power right, right. now and you're corralling them around. Right. Mm -hmm. And so looking at it in that way, parents see that, um, just, just in their, in their house, out on the playground. And then as you go, um, into school in grade school, I think seeing it on the playground, I'm mm -hmm. um, certainly seeing it. And, and I think, um, it's more visible than mm -hmm. when they get older because right. you, they don't have the filters yet to yeah. know necessarily that, uh, Oh, we don't tell the adults, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so you can, you can maybe see it more. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's kind of right out there. You can see pushing more, like yeah. really pushing somebody down to get what you want. Um, I didn't mean to actually push you, Jorge. Sorry about that. <laughs> no, okay. And then, um, but going going up into like middle school and high school, um, somewhere in there is that is that um, okay? But telling the adult might not really help me that much. It might actually right. make me look weaker. So then it becomes more hidden and maybe more difficult for a teacher to to see what's happening. I know mm -hmm. as a sub. When I, when I was subbing regularly, I could really notice it. I didn't have a lot of other things that were mm -hmm. taking my attention away. I didn't have to do reporting right. on anything. I didn't, right? So I could really see that mm -hmm. um, and learned a lot from watching those relationships, you know? Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point going back to that definition that we started at the beginning, that displays of power. And because we're defining a power inequality mm -hmm. as part of bullying, manifests differently at different mm -hmm. ages. Mm -hmm. um, so it may be more physical, Mm -hmm. when students are younger and don't necessarily have as strong verbal skills. But over time, that may change to become that way. But then you also have the compounding you know, influence of child development. So a five-year-old may be more likely to, when a parent asks, how'd your day go? Like explain everything yeah. where a 14-year-old yes. will just say, right. it was good, right? Yep. Because there's yeah. this pressure to do that. And I think that, and what happened today? Nothing. Right. Mm -hmm. Like that's just much more common to hear. Right. 
Yeah, I mean, so I think for me, and I mean, I may just <laughs> become beating the same drum here, but as a teacher, I, I most often saw, or I guess didn't see, was cyberbullying. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, my classroom, it wasn't necessarily present to an extent. In the hallways, it wasn't present. And I had a social media policy that I would not be friends with students on social media for a variety of reasons. And there mm-hmm. were other teachers that didn't necessarily have that same policy. And so they would be witness to mm-hmm. these events mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. I didn't yeah. see. And they would say, hey, did you know this is happening? And it was something that I couldn't tell in the classroom Mm -hmm. because it was happening in a different space and so I guess thinking about like what's most visible to us as teachers in some ways for me because the policies that I had in place cyberbullying was the most visible while simultaneously being the most invisible Mm -hmm. um which (laughs) like makes me think it's can't just keep talking about like what bullying is and what Mm -hmm. we see but then I mean how do we address this behavior and I think for me the first thing, regardless if you're a parent, you're a teacher, you're an administrator, is making sure that the bullied student knows that it's not their fault. Mm-hmm. That they yeah. are not to yeah. blame mm-hmm. and the right. action is not representative of them. Because right. sometimes when we tell students, oh, you just have to deal with it or something like that, they'll internalize that Absolutely. bullying mm-hmm. as actually yeah. being a yeah. reflection yeah. of them. And so I think that that's first necessary. But to get yeah. a little bit more specific, if you are a parent, mm-hmm. What can you do to either better recognize or better support your student if he or she is being bullied? I mean, I think that what you were just saying is the start of it. And that's um, rather than speaking to here's the behavior you you need to do, you need to um, you need to do this behavior mm-hmm. or you should do this or that is to um, insulate your kids instead of isolating. Mm-hmm. So rather than. Um, just ignore it. Ignoring might be one thing that they could do, but starting with um, helping your ch- really thinking about your child's self-esteem, mm-hmm. thinking about, I mean, are they able to say, hey, this happened and they're not right. That's not me. Um, that's mm-hmm. that's one assessment like about where your kid might be. But if it's, I don't know, something's wrong with me. That's another assessment to think about, like, what is it that I can do to help build up my child so that they're insulated because these things are going to happen. I mean, Mm -hmm. um, you can't control what's going on around, around in the world, in the classroom. Um, you can't control it and make sure it never happens. So insulating them rather than isolating them, I think is very important and helping the, um, helping your child to know who they are and really to think about like someone else's behavior says more about them Mm -hmm. than it does about you. So just thinking about what's my responsibility, what's their responsibility and having some boundaries there. Right. Uh, one very important thing for parents, I think, is to, like you were mentioning earlier, to keep asking questions to mm-hmm. fully understand mm-hmm. the situation. Because uh, maybe you ha- you know of this one instance now of bullying, but has this happened before? Mm-hmm. Has th- Does this happen just with the one student that has been identified as a bully or not? Uh, and start considering all the factors that may play a role in how... Uh, unsafe or how um, much um, how insecure your, your yes. kid may feel because mm-hmm. there's issues that may be happening at school but there might be other issues that may be happening outside of school whether this is uh, as the student goes back home either on the bus or if they walk mm-hmm. home or if they t- take the subway 
uh, you want to ask all those questions to understand what is going on and how you can help. And whether and this, of course, first of all, it, it involves talking to your kid, to your child, but uh, then by talking to your kid, this will help you understand how you should reach out to the, your teachers, mm -hmm. how you should, you mm -hmm. should reach out to the administration, mm -hmm. um, because sometimes a parent will impulsively try to get the other student expelled or try to mm -hmm. get some... Um, other reper uh, some other uh, consequences that may not necessarily solve solve the problem, but instead instead intensify it or bring another layer to this issue. Yeah, no, I mean I think you echo some things that like I was already thinking in my head about like if you're a parent and you know this is going on, communicating with the school because in all likelihood you have a better relationship with your child than anyone yeah. at the school does yeah. mm -hmm. and more like that information can be shared with you that you can then share with teachers and administrators um, to know and I mean like you do have that right to hold the school accountable for taking care of your child but I mm -hmm. think it's also you know more complicated than that like you were saying like this might take these instances of bullying might take place outside of school mm -hmm. where the school has limited reach and then so you have to think about like so what is our intervention to then do this and may you might feel like oh I want to connect to the or I want to talk to the parent of the student who's bullying my student but your student might not feel that way and so even if that bullying's happening outside of school connecting with the school to say like hey how can we handle this situation and even if that's the school just being a mediating influence um, for what's going on, mm -hmm. I, I think that can be really helpful. Um, but in addition to parents, teachers also have a role to play. Mm -hmm. um, what is it that teachers can do to help support these students or to help um, ameliorate bullying when it occurs? Yeah, I mean, one of the things I think of right away is paying attention, um, listening. I mean, Jorge, you were already saying it about the parents, but about parents, but listening to what's happening in yeah. your classroom. So when mm -hmm. they're doing group work and you're walking around and kind of doing checks or whatever, mm -hmm. listen, mm -hmm. pay attention to um, body language, pay attention to like what's happening. Now, as I say that, I just want to be like really clear that it's not just teachers pay attention. You need to like identify it. Yes, you do. But also I think it's really important to ask for help with that. Like, see if there's PD mm -hmm. that you can get on it, see if there are, um, there's certainly a lot of reading that mm -hmm. you could do on your own as well, some research, um, but really finding supports for, for yourself as well because there are many things that are going on in your classroom. Mm -hmm. So having some tools in your toolbox will be very helpful in dealing mm -hmm. with that. Well, but I think just to add on that real quick, when you're thinking about resources, there is outside professional development. There mm -hmm. is stuff you can read on your own, but a lot of schools are equipped with a social worker or a school mm -hmm. counselor yeah. 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 who That's this right. can often be their area of expertise. And if right. you were to say, hey, like, what can I do in addition to better support Absolutely. these students? They will be <laughs> more than likely ready to help you because you know they can't service so happy yeah absolutely each yeah. and every kid and so the yeah. distribution of that burden um to effectively right like remedy bullying can be incredibly helpful too yeah. yes definitely and i think that the most important thing to do is not to ignore the problem mm. once you notice a, an instance that could be potentially be a pattern of bullying you definitely should do something about it um we were talking about how, first of all, you should reach out to the student who is being bullied. 
you may notice that in this instance, one other student may be the one who is uh, bullying him or her, but there might this might be a bigger issue. There might be a number of students who are at, uh, attacking these students, who are bullying these students. So um, you should definitely try to understand what is going on in order to um, know what you should, how you should approach mm -hmm. uh, this issue. And of course, you should also talk to the student who is the bully because, and, and this does not only imply that you should um, reprimand them. Um, you need to understand the situation in order to know how to do it. You should also talk to them uh, and again, you should definitely reach out for support in terms of how it is best to approach um, uh, bullying and how to talk to the uh, bully so that this does not uh, make things worse for the student who is being bullied, right? Because uh, that definitely that's like something that teachers always think about, how do I not make this worse? Mm -hmm. um, so being more confident about how the, the different methods that you can use to approach bullying is definitely one thing that uh, will help you in terms of approaching students. And um, it is definitely key to understand who are the people involved because as you mentioned earlier, bystanders may be an issue too. So uh, mm -hmm. this could lead up mm -hmm. to uh, something that needs to be work, worked on with uh, the larger student population. Yeah, I mean, I know something Jorge, you and I have talked about is that like you need to have a conversation with the bully and the student mm -hmm. who's been bullied, but often that first conversation needs to be mm -hmm. with the student that's mm -hmm. been bullied to yeah. really find out what's going on there. Mm -hmm. And I think something that's really important to think about with either of those conversations is what is the right space? Yes. Mm -hmm. If you notice this instance in class and you have 35 kids in your class, mm -hmm. is, th is that the time to probe right. the student about what is this pattern of bullying, right. who's involved? Or is it better in a private space mm -hmm. away from, you know, like, listening ears? Yeah. Um, but then also as you start to think, okay, we've identified this pattern, we're now addressing it, mm -hmm. how does the bully fit into the restorative process? Because on the one hand, you need to make amends between mm -hmm. the two students so that the action doesn't continue to happen. But at the same time, if a student is being a bully, how do you get them to move away from that behavior? Right? Because that behavior may be simply out of a desire to demonstrate power. Mm -hmm. That behavior may be representative of other things that are going on in their life, but you can't presume. But whatever that is, you also need to attend to for the well-being of other students, but also um, for that student. And so I think as teachers, you have to think about what are the ways that you open avenues of communication, right? Um, how can students report something to the school or report something to you? Um, even more importantly, I, like I've already talked a lot about cyberbullying. If you are not friends on social media with your students, how, how do they inform you that cyberbullying mm -hmm. is mm -hmm. happening? What, yeah. what does that system look like? Yeah. And it's going to be different for every teacher in every school. But I think this is an avenue that has to be open. And then finally, in terms of communication, I think communication with parents if mm -hmm. you are, right. if you suspect something is going on, yeah. you know, ask, call up the parent, hey, is there anything that, you know, John has shared with you mm -hmm. that has been happening at school? I'm concerned about this, and I just want to know if you had heard anything. And maybe they'll say yes, and they can tell you what it is, or maybe they'll say no, and then you know to follow up. But I think that idea of who you communicate with, where you communicate with them, and the object of that communication mm -hmm. is really important to keep in mind. 
Definitely. And just one note on that, because uh, we were talking about how conflict resolution would not necessarily work, especially if you think of what teachers might do. One thing that uh, is not likely to work is to have both the bully and the bullied student together and try to have them have a discussion with the teacher because of this uh, power dynamic. Mm -hmm. uh, it'll be uh, an instance where you will see that the bullied student is unlikely to actually open up and say mm -hmm. anything about what actually is going on because of that uh, dynamic. The, the bully is there. It's uh, putting them in front of a person who has been... Um, um, attacking them, who has been uh, acting against them, and it, it is very unlikely that that, that would be successful. That's what we're uh, saying, that conflict resolution is not that the, uh, does not work with bullying, because it's a pattern, so mm -hmm. it's, not a one, it's not one instance where the, both students are at the same level and uh, the bullied students will open up. It's a pattern, so there are uh, other repercussions in terms of how they perceive the the bully how they perceive how this conversation is going to end up whether it it would be beneficial or not and that's something that we should be aware as teachers that that's not the best approach for uh, right. targeting yeah. bullying yeah well and I think in addition to parents and teachers administrators mm -hmm. often have a role and so I mean what are the the things that administrators should be thinking about or that they can do right. Um, so one of the most important things that I believe is that the, uh, you need to have a stru uh, structure of support for all students and you need to be clear in terms of what is going to be implemented as this structure of support. There are sometimes schools uh, come up with campaigns. Uh, it, mm -hmm. Students should be made aware that bullying is a problem, that they should not be silent about it. Mm -hmm. They should always mm -hmm. seek help. But also, like you mentioned earlier, you need to build those safe spaces where yeah. students feel comfortable enough to come out, uh, come up to a teacher, and uh, explain their situation to them. And um, in order, they because first of all, they're overcoming the fear of the consequences that opening up will bring to them. So you need to really enforce um, this sense of confidence uh, with teachers, counselors, uh, or any other adult in them uh, in, in the school. And um, another thing that you need to consider is that w within those structures of support is that where, like you mentioned earlier, where does our, where, where does our responsibility stop? Or does mm -hmm. it really mm -hmm. stop? What would you do if something happens consistently outside of school? Mm -hmm. And uh, we were talking earlier about liability and so forth. Uh, but this is something that the school should really have a discussion about, mm -hmm. the administrators, the teachers, the counselors, what are going to be the protocols in terms of uh, trying to solve uh, or, or help students who are being bullied uh, when this does not happen on school grounds. And um, there are two ways in which we can um, target bullying, for example. One is developing knowledge within the classroom mm -hmm. um, so that we help students understand uh, that they can come come up to a teacher, that they come up to a counselor, that they, that they, we have their back basically. And another thing is that we can also we should also work uh, towards building a sense of community. So not only to, uh, pointing at the problem and saying that bullying is wrong, you shouldn't bully your mm -hmm. peers. You should mm -hmm. also try to uh, target this in a positive way in the sense that you're a community, you're a community of students. You spend hours together in a school every mm -hmm. day. Mm -hmm. So you should do your best to make that a comfortable and a joyful experience for all of you. 
and um, that's something that is not always um, uh, thought of in terms of how we should uh, tackle bullying but I believe it's something that's very important because in the end uh, it's what the what bullies are not ever considering is how am I how my display of power is mm -hmm. really having a negative effect on, on this student and, and their life, not only at school, but outside of it. Yeah, I just think the way that you just put that about a joyful place, mm -hmm. I mean, even just you saying it made me go, oh, yeah. Like, that's <laughs> just to, to think about... Um, to think about dealing with it from the, I don't want to just say positive, but, but rather than just the need, mm -hmm. but rather creating a space so that the needs can get met mm -hmm. and the bully has needs too. Right. And so to be able to say like, how are we addressing our entire community? They, um, and, and really thinking about customizing it to students mm -hmm. and it's, some of it is simple, but not mm -hmm. easy, right? So a lot of what we're talking about, these avenues of communication, mm -hmm. spaces to have the communication, you could sit down and talk through that and find creative ways to make that happen within your school, and then the hard part is follow through on it, mm -hmm. that you have to actually make the space in your schedule, you have to actually hold right. physical spaces open. Um, I would even think of for community, having parents come into the school more often, mm -hmm. having community nights or after school or whatever so that there is a sense of community and mm -hmm. that's quite different than yeah. um, when when you're dealing with uh, a bullying situation because um, students are more likely teachers are more likely to be able to be supportive and right off the bat go hey we don't do that we don't do that to each other mm -hmm. and kind of do it at an earlier place right. rather than if kids are vying for their space in the school and mm -hmm. they're not sure where they can be then then it's mm -hmm. going to happen more often I think yeah, I think, Faith, you were getting into this, Jorge. I think you really laid out a nice idea of essentially, one, like being proactive, mm -hmm. right, to create a school community where this isn't going to happen, but then having, I think what you were talking about, Faith, like how are you going to respond to this? Who mm -hmm. is contacted and who does this? Yeah. And I think, like, that's what schools really have to think through is not just, okay, so you notice of instance of bullying. What is the expectation that you do right away? Mm -hmm. In the yeah. immediate aftermath, yeah. Yeah. what do you do? A week from now, That's like, right. what do you do? Mm -hmm. And right. so we're actually going to um, attach to this podcast a graphic organizer that will help you to think through Mm -hmm. these things but I think that's one of the first things that schools can do even if they don't get outside professional development that's or right. something is that they can have five or six people sit around the table and say what is our plan yeah. for mm -hmm. addressing this no different than you have a plan for addressing a fire drill um, one thing that I think you know Faith you and I were having a conversation before is that bullying can take different forms mm -hmm. and one that's very present in the public eye now is the idea of sexual harassment yeah and so I guess thinking about that as a form of bullying, how, how does the response and just even the identification of sexual harassment um, differ from other instances of bullying? And, and how do we think about that? Because clearly, mm -hmm. given the, the news that's come out in the last month, month and a half, I mean, not surprising that this has gone on, but it still seems that we have not, as a society, come to a way to mm -hmm. make people feel comfortable mm -hmm. to share that mm -hmm. this has happened to them and then support them. Right. I think that um, recent events have shown it, and um, I have found it to be co common, unfortunately, that often the question can first be, if, if it's brought up to you, can first be about 
the responsibility of the person coming to you about it. And um, just like we were talking about earlier, that to say, like, this isn't about something you did, mm -hmm. that that's mm -hmm. very important. Um, interestingly, I think the things that we've been talking about apply in the same way. So if you have mm -hmm. open um, communication about things, if you include in, say, um, your signage around the school, if you include in some, if you have some spaces or places to come together and the subject is going to be around um, it could be around relationships, friendships. It doesn't have to be positioned as we're, this is what we're going to talk about sexual harassment, but but really again insulating. So talking about how do you behave in your friendships? How do you behave in your in your um, romantic relationships? How do you behave if someone um, does something unwanted to you, mm -hmm. whatever that is on any sort of um, scale from small to large? Like, and what are your avenues to get support and help mm -hmm. with it? Yes, yeah, and I think enumerating those, like, paths to getting help to students so that they know they're supported yes. because there can be complicated dynamics, mm -hmm. I think, with sexual harassment when you think about gender mm -hmm. because, um, you know, a female student may be being sexually harassed and may feel closest to her male teachers, but because of the difference in gender may not feel comfortable doing that. So, mm -hmm. you know, where is the avenue then for that? Is that the school counselor? Is there something mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. I think the schools have to be really intentional about thinking how we foster this dialogue. And just one other thing that always comes to me is a lot of times I think students will tell their parents and um, things before they sometimes tell their teachers. Mm -hmm. When it comes to sexual harassment, I'm not sure that's the case because as hard as it might be for a student to tell a teacher, it probably feels harder to mm -hmm. tell a parent. Um, and I think this is in part the idea of like like victim blaming, thinking, you know, mm -hmm. what did you do to do mm -hmm. this and, and trying mm -hmm. to do that. And I don't know what to make of that, but I think that's an important part of the conversation. Yeah, I know that in my, in my experience, um, students came to me to talk mm -hmm. with me about it. And of course you have to know, I mean, it's, it gets complicated because you have to know um, legally what you're required right. to do. And so there should be a protocol, mm -hmm. there should be something in place so that teachers know um, this, is, this is what I need to take care of. Um, I know in the students that came to me, I felt that it was very important to listen to them and to try to understand what is the best way to approach the parents mm -hmm. because it's very, it's obviously yeah. very important to yeah. notify the parents. But to be able to listen and understand, it depends on what the student is coming to talk about. Is it an outside person? Is it right. someone within their mm -hmm. house? I mean, um, that's really important. And mm -hmm. uh, obviously social workers, counselors, really important to get mm -hmm. them involved because they're, they're, they're more typically more trained in that, mm -hmm. that area. So that's been a wide-ranging discussion with a possibly even heavier topic um, at the end, but I think as we wrap up, it might be good to get out some final thoughts. So over the course of the discussion, is there something that you know teachers or administrators should continue to think about, um, or is there a new element to this that we didn't have time to discuss that is important mm -hmm. for conversation going forward? Okay, so I believe that one of the most important things is not to ignore the issue. So regardless of how uh, competent you are on your own skills to do it, you should always try to reach out to those people who might be better prepared to um, help to provide support with the students and so that in that proce process you also um, begin developing this um, 
structures of knowledge on how you should approach the students. How can you talk to them? How can you talk to the bully student? How can you talk to the bully? And uh, how? what is your role in the support structures? What should you do? How should you reach out to um, the parents, to the students, to your administration? Uh, it's always um, an essential part of uh, solving a problem, knowing what you can do and uh, how to ask for help as well. I mean, I think that's a great last word because all, what we're talking about all around is how to how to ask for help. And you know that, you know that if the bully could ask for help, I, I think if the bully could ask for help, they would. Like they're needing something. Mm -hmm. There's something going on there. And then right. the students that are being bullied, how do we have avenues for them to ask for help? Teachers, I need help with dealing with this situation. I need support. I mean, yeah, asking for help and mm -hmm. being vulnerable in a way. And right. modeling that um, and and seeing that as being a way to be human mm -hmm. to each other, which is what we talked about a couple weeks ago, that we're whole people, teachers, mm -hmm. students, administrators. Yeah, I, I think both of your points are just so well put. The, the thing that I like to push teachers to do is ask the question for what is the protocol of the school? Mm -hmm. yep. What actually does happen because... You know, schools have a lot of responsibility placed on them, and there's a million different things going on yeah. that mm -hmm. sometimes not out of neglect, but out of necessity to tend to other things. Mm -hmm. Some things, like a uh, response to bullying, can fall by the wayside. So I think the first thing to always do is just ask the question, is there something in place? Then, if there is, what is it? Does it need to be modified? And if mm -hmm. it's not, okay, we need to create something in that place to do that. Well, thanks for joining us again this week, and we'll make sure to say something intelligent for you again <laughs> next week. Um, I've been joined by Faith and Jorge, and see ya. Bye. 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 Thank you.